The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, our show is about forgiveness, which is probably one of the most important and yet sometimes challenging things that we have to do in our lives to bring peace into our lives. And we are so pleased that today we have with us Azim Kamisa, who has written two of the books that I have right in front of me, From Murder to Forgiveness and From Forgiveness to Fulfillment by Azim Kamisa. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He has committed his life to halting the continuing cycle of violence among the youth. Azim became a social activist himself after his 20-year-old son, Tariq, was senselessly murdered while delivering pizzas back in January 1995 by a 14-year-old young man, Tony Hicks, who was a gang member. Out of unspeakable grief and despair, Camisa was inspired to transform his loss through the miraculous power of forgiveness. Believing that there were victims at both ends of the gun, Azim forgave Tony and founded the Tariq Camisa Foundation, to break the cycle of youth violence by saving lives, teaching peace, and planting seeds of hope in the future. Azim is an award-winning author of the book Azim's Bardo, From Murder to Forgiveness, A Father's Journey, and he also followed up the book with From Forgiveness to Fulfillment, showing the continued evolution in an unfolding story that is his path, his passion, and his life. And the third in the trilogy is From Fulfillment to Peace. And Azim says, We humans continuously confront defining moments in our lives. Sometimes these events are joyous. Sometimes they are tragedies. At these moments, it's important to make the right choices. When we do, we're able to manifest miracles and produce transformation in ourselves and others. You can learn more about him at our website at conflicthealing.com and also at his own website at Azim Kamisa, that's A-Z-I-M-K-H-A-M-I-S-A.com. And also you can get more information about the Tariq Kamisa Foundation at www.tkf.org. Thank you so much, Azim, for joining us from beautiful La Jolla. Yes. 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 Thanks for having me as a guest. And I know you have been through um, 
and since 1995, you've been on a, an, a real spiritual journey and a, a journey from, like you said, murder to forgiveness. How is it that you even were able to find forgiveness in your heart? Forgiveness is a blessing, and a blessing to me is a gift from God. And a gift from God happens when preparation meets grace. So, Mari, the short answer to your question is that I was blessed. I, uh, my mom uh, was very spiritual, and my dad was a businessman, so I grew up with equal emphasis on my spiritual life and my career. And, uh, and I met uh, one of my mom's cronies at the age of 20, who taught me how to meditate. And I lost my son in my early 40s. While I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. My life had come to an end. I could meditate. And uh, I truly believe that it was that spiritual foundation that was able to help me through this devastating tragedy. So, and um, go, ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just telling you that when I found out um, that Tariq had been shot and killed, at first I did not believe it. Uh, I very quickly... Um, uh, called the Homicide Division, and uh, they told me what had happened, and I didn't believe them because it didn't make any sense. Plus, I think it's very difficult for a parent to hear that um, they um, uh, that the children die before they do. Exactly. Um, I just couldn't go there, so I very quickly uh, hung up on the on the detective and called Tariq's house because he had just moved in with his fiancé, Jennifer, mm. that got engaged six weeks before he died, mm. fully expecting him to pick up the phone. Right. Of course, he didn't. Uh, Jennifer did, and she couldn't say anything because they'd gone to their home first, and she's just crying, crying, crying on the phone, and he hit. Mm. I was in my kitchen, and I remember hitting the floor. I hit my head against the refrigerator, and the pain was so excruciating that uh, I couldn't even be in my body. I had my first out-of-body experience, and I left my body, and I believe in God. I left my body and went into a loving embrace from God who held me for the longest time. Mm. And when the explosion subsided, he sent me back to my body with the wisdom that there were victims at both ends of the gun. Yes. Uh, An hour and a half later... My best friend was with me and said, whoever these kids are that killed Tariq, I hope they fry in hell. And my response to him was, I don't feel that way, Dan. What I see here is that there are victims at both ends of the gun. And I remember he broke down and started to cry. He says, where do you get this strength? If somebody took my son, he says, not only would I want the killer, I'd want the whole clan. Yes. So it was a blessing. It was a gift from God. So then how, how did that work with regard to the prosecution? Don't you? Yeah, the, the, uh, you know, basically the victims are not part of the prosecution process. When the crime happens in our country, uh, it is typically the state of California against the criminal. Right. So charges are brought against him, uh, not by me, right. but by the state. Right. And... Uh, it took them uh, two years to decide whether he should be tried as a juvenile 
or he should be tried as an adult because California just passed a law on January 1st, 1995, where uh, a 14-year-old could be charged as an adult for murder or for capital offense. And this was the first capital offense three weeks later. So the district attorney in San Diego took a very proactive course because he ran on the platform that uh, Tony should be tried as as an adult. I was not in favor of that. But my voice was not, you know, important at that stage. Many of the constituents uh, in San Diego wanted, uh, uh, you know, the kid to be tried as an adult. And, you know, two years later, they did decide to try him as, a, as an adult. I uh, wasn't about revenge and retribution. Uh, so nine months after I lost Tariq, I started the Tariq Kamisa Foundation, and soon after I started it, I reached in forgiveness to the grandfather and guardian of my son's killer with the perspective that we both lost a child, with the perspective that uh, I see victims at both ends of the gun, with the perspective that I'm not here shouting, you know, your grandson should be hung from the highest pole. Rather, what I see here is that, that we both lost a son, and I, there's nothing I can do to bring my son back from the dead, and there's nothing you can do to get your grandson out of prison. And I started this foundation with a very lofty mission of stopping kids from killing kids, and I've come to ask for your help, because I can't do this by myself. Right. And uh, he was very quick to take my hand of forgiveness, and uh, 16 years later, today, we're still together. I started the foundation with $8,000 in my home office, And today we have over 50 employees and have become a worldwide international voice on on uh, on forgiveness, on on nonviolence and on peacemaking. So I had no clue, Mari, that I had the strength to do the work I'm doing, you know. Right. And I know you being a spiritual man, you do you ever wonder if if Tari came into the world so that you could do this and and that this was part of his you know, his destiny for you to do this, that this was part of it? Do you ever think like that? Yes, absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head here. I think we all have a spiritual purpose, but it's complicated to know what that is. Right. It's not complicated for me because the gift that came out of this tragedy is it put me on my spiritual purpose, which is the work I do today. And I would not be doing this if Tariq had not been so violently and tragically taken away from me. Mm. And uh, and I do believe that he came into this world, that we had a contract that, uh, you know, he would uh, he would pass the way he passed, and then I had to make the choice. And the quote that you just read uh, came out of that uh, came out of that understanding that at those moments in our life, what I call defining moments, whether they are tragic or joyous, if you are able to make the right choice we manifest uh, a miracle. And I was lucky, and I thank the good Lord and my mom had the eyes to see how to get to a positive place from something very negative. Yes. And, uh, and because of that choice, most people probably would have gone the other way, Mari, and what good that would have done, you know, how would have that uh, improved society? Yes. So I was lucky to make the right choice. And as a result of that right choice, 
uh, I'm just blown away by how what has happened, you know? Yes, yes. I know um, my minister and her husband lost their child at the age of 16 and ended up becoming ministers <laughs> and, and, and forgiving and doing the same kind of thing. And not, not uh, was, she was killed in a car accident, not killed in the kind of vicious way that your son was killed, but still just being able to realize that there was a higher purpose in all of this is really, I think, the miracle of everything that has happened to you and has happened to them. Absolutely. And I still, you know, think that in life you get problems that your intellect will not solve. And I don't care if you have a double PhD. You know, I um, was educated in England in mathematics and finance, but in my deepest crisis, those... Uh, that education was useless, uh, that in life you get problems that your heart cannot heal. So where are you? And I think if you go through our education system, it essentially develops the intellect. And as you go through life and get some hits, you know, you do improve your emotions or your ability to deal with, uh, with emotions, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. But at the same time, that doesn't that doesn't prepare you for life because you get problems that your intellect will not solve or your heart will not heal. So where are you? Yes. By the same token, what I realized, that there are no problems that your soul or your spirit cannot solve. I'm, uh, I've written a, uh, 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 another book called The Secrets of the Bulletproof Spirit, mm-hmm. How to Bounce Back from Life's Hardest Hits, because we all have a bulletproof spirit, but we are not necessarily connected to it. Right. So right. I definitely teach. You know, I speak to kids all the time. I've spoken to over a million kids now all over the world. Tell them that, you know, besides your developing your intellect and your emotions, make sure you develop your spiritual life, because that is a better faculty than your head or your heart, because there are no problems that you will encounter in life that your spirit cannot solve or heal, but you have to have that connection with the Spirit. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about forgiveness, because sometimes I notice, and you know, I've been a mediator now for 26 years, sometimes I see people and it's very hard for them to forgive. So, you know, I know that you have learned to forgive. It doesn't mean that you condone the behavior. It just means that you give up that that anger and that pain. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because I know you talk about that in your books. Yes, and I think forgiveness is not very well understood in our culture. Right. As you pointed out, that, uh, that by me condoning, by me forgiving Tony, there is this implication that I'm condoning what he did was okay. Right. No, it's nothing to do with Tony. I mean, he's serving a far... He's serving a very long sentence. I mean, he was 14, and he will not parole till he's 46 years old mm. unless I'm able to get him out earlier, which I tried under the Schwarzenegger regime and didn't succeed. But I'm having somewhat more of a success under the Jerry Brown because mm. he's totally shifted as a result of my forgiveness. I've met him when he was 19 years old, and I'd love to have him come out and work in the foundation with his grandfather, and you can see the power of that. Yes. But coming back to your question... Uh, uh, you know, Tony has his own journey. Even if I can get him out, he has to live with killing somebody. That is difficult to do. Yes. There is no escape. There is no escape from any wrongdoing. And even if he was not caught, karma would take care of that. So what 
goes around comes around. So Tony and I have very separate journeys. I had a very full life when my son was alive. I was a successful international investment banker, traveled the world, had a good social life, made a good income, and then I had no life. Right. And I recognize that I didn't want to go through life on crutches, saying I lost my one and only son, because there is no quality of life going through life as a victim. I wanted that full life back, and unless you forgive, you remain a victim. That's the first piece. Yes. The second piece is that if you stay in resentment, who are you hurting? Yourself, obviously. Yeah, Mandela didn't write this uh, quote, but he made it famous. He said, resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for your enemy to die. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, what's the difference? It's self-abuse. So I always say forgiveness is a selfish act. I didn't want to stay angry, and I didn't want to go through life as a victim. Right. And through forgiveness, I have been able to now have a very full life. I mean... My life is different today because I'm out there saving lives of children. It's much more meaningful, though, because before as an investment bank, it was all about making money. This is about helping and you know, saving lives of children, about teaching forgiveness and creating nonviolence and peace. I mean, this work is so fulfilling. Yes. That I always say I am an international investment banker who is now a social worker. <laughs> right. And my, and my next line is I look that as a step up in my career. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I remember yeah. thinking about forgiveness myself, you know, go, going through a time like through my divorce. And I remember um, listening to tapes about forgiving, you know, and I remember say, sometimes you have to say, I forgive you. You jerk, you know, <gasps> or you right. have to just start out, or or I forgive you. Wherever you are, you have to start it somewhere. And yeah. when you finally realize that forgiveness means you give it up, give up that that anger, give up that resentment, because it, it will eat you alive. Absolutely. There are actually two separate aspects of forgiveness. I've created a two-and-a-half-day workshop where I've trained, uh, uh, oh, maybe 200 people. Many of these are therapists and PhDs and MDs and social workers that are now taking my work outside. I teach, because what I learned is, you know, amid people, they are either in resentment for what has been done to them or they are in guilt for what they have done. Right. So the two aspects of forgiveness is forgiving people that have harmed you, but also forgiving yourself for the harm you've caused, because... Both resentment and guilt are highly debilitating state. So in this particular workshop, I teach three steps or three milestones of how to forgive people that have harmed you and four steps of how to forgive yourself for the harm you've caused. So let's go over, would you mind just giving, I know your workshop is much more in depth. Can you just give those steps to us? Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about forgiving people that have harmed you. Right, because that's what people you know, think about yeah, first. They don't think about what they did. <laughs> right. And, the, and, and, and obviously I can't go into the depth because we only right. have, you know, half an hour or so. I know, but that'll just make uh, people want to... But i the steps anyway. The first yeah. step is that acknowledge that you have been wronged. It's a grieving process. Right. It's a painful process. But pain's not bad. But, you know, we don't do pain very well in this country. Slightest headache and you want an extra strength Tylenol. Yeah. If <laughs> you are depressed, you get Prozac. But then five hours later, you can take another pill. I always say God never gives you more pain than you can handle. I mean, Rumi has a beautiful line on it. It says, the cure for pain is in the pain. 
Yes. And pain is a way that the universe molds you because the same faculty you feel pain with is a faculty you feel joy with. So when you get to joy, you have a higher quality of joy. But the grieving part is important. And like uh, they say, no pain, no gain. There you go. That's another, <laughs> that's another, there's a beautiful story out of Gibran. He's talking about this potter that loves his masterpiece. He actually wets the clay with his tears, but then he's going to take the masterpiece and put it in an 800-degree Fahrenheit oven so the clay can become porcelain and radiate its beauty. Mm, yes. So being in that 800-degree Fahrenheit oven was very painful, but see what came out of it. Yes. So yes. I, teach, you know, I teach the grieving process. The second uh, piece, uh, and these are in my second book, all of these steps. Right. Uh, uh, the second piece is to give up all the resulting resentment. And you do that through cultivating a very high level of empathy and setting an intention out there to the universe. And I do that through a guided meditation, which, I, which is available for free on my website. If people want to go down, listen to the preamble, there is a meditation on forgiveness where you set the intentions. Because I truly believe that when you set the intentions out to the universe, it's not important how, it's just important what that the universe conspires to make that intention a reality. And when you set it out, when you do it in a guided meditation, when you add alpha, the meditation is even more powerful because uh, uh, you are able to set that intention at that, at that vibrational level, and when you repeat it, it will happen. Because once you set, as I said earlier, forgiveness is when preparation meets grace, and the preparation is to set that intention out. And we're talking about this is on your website at azimkamisa.com, correct? That's correct, yeah. There okay. are two guided meditations. There's a preamble. I teach, I teach meditation, and I've developed my own method. And they're free downloads. And the third step is to reach out to the offender. Not just reach out, but to reach out with love and compassion. Not all of us have to reach out to the murderer of our child. A lot of the angst in our society is mother, daughter, father, son, ex-wives, ex-husbands, business partners. I do this work in business environment, too, because wherever there's people, there's conflict. Absolutely. It's important to reach out, especially with the show that we are doing around the holidays here. Uh, this is a very good time to reach out to yes. that broken relationship and heal it through this process. Yes. The yes. four steps to forgive yourself... Uh, for the harm you've caused, first is to take responsibility for your actions. Not all of us, we all make mistakes, but we don't all take responsibility for our mistakes. And this is important. I do this work with offenders in prisons as well. And you know, I realize most of these offenders were victims, and I create a high level of empathy for them. But eventually, tell them, you can't get off the hook. You've got to take responsibility for your actions. Number and, two, and that's different from guilt. It's different from right, yes, exactly. because guilt is like that self-anger. Taking responsibility is acknowledging within that this is something that I did not, I I should not have done. I would never do it again. That kind is that what you mean? Yes, exactly. Okay. I mean there's a process. There's four steps. Right. The first step is to take responsibility for your actions. Right. The second step is to ask forgiveness of the people you've hurt. It's the right thing to do to make that apology to ask for forgiveness, and in the offender work I do in prison, we actually put, we have a program called WARP, Victim Offender Reconciliation Program, right. where, where we put the victim and the offender together. You do, you're doing that in mediation too, yes, probably. Yes, yes, 
And the third step is now that you've taken responsibility and asked forgiveness of people you've hurt, forgive yourselves. Because I work with a lot of juvenile offenders saying you've got a lot of life to lead. But that's not enough. There's step number four, which is the atonement step, which is a redemption step. That You've got to stop all of this gang banging, all of the violence, no more of these drugs and gangs and guns. You've got to change your behavior forever. Not only that, you now go out and make sure other kids are not doing the same thing you did to bring you to prison. You've got to stop them. We have four full-time ex-convicts that work for the foundation. One of them spent 17 years in prison. Mm. And once you turn them around, you can see that through that redemption and atonement, it becomes easier for them to forgive themselves. So help me understand what you mean by atonement. I mean, I've, I've heard that word, and I know what it means, a dictionary, but what does it really mean? Does it mean to, to transform, not only to, to forgive yourself, but to transform? Is that, is that what the well, atonement I think I think the atonement means that part of the responsibility of the offender is to now go back into society as a functioning, contributing member and make it a better society. Right. So that they go back out there and stop other kids from not making the same mistake. It's an action, yes. not just a thought. That if they just said, okay, I take responsibility, I'm sorry, that's not enough in my mind. What, how do I know that your sorry has any weight? What are you doing? Well, I'm out there now working in this nonprofit, and I'm working with gangbangers because I was a gangbanger, and I am trying to get them to stop gangbanging. Right, so that, that but, is the transformation. But, but, that is the but, transformation. Yeah, and I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. I mean, I mean, not only offenders, we all deal with it. I gave a lecture in Eugene, Oregon. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've spoken over 400 times. I speak all the time. And this gentleman, must have been in the 60s, said to me, you know, ever since when I was a young man, my father regularly abused my sister. Mm. And I couldn't do anything about it because I was very small, and I've lived with this guilt for all of my life. Would you, you know, how do I deal with it? And I said, you know what? I get it. I empathize with you that when you were a young boy, your father was a big man. There's nothing you could do. But now you're a grown man. Why don't you go out and stop somebody else's sister who is being abused right now? Exactly. And, well, he's, and the light bulb went on, and he came and gave me a big hug after. He says, you know, you've shown me a way out of guilt after all of these years. You know, I'm going to do that. I love it. Well, Azim, we are just about out of time. I just want to make sure that people go to your website, Azim, A-Z-I-M, Kamisa, K-H-A-M-I-S-A dot com. You're really wonderful. And thank you, and thank God for all the great work that you're doing. And we will have you back again, Okay. All right, Mari, you have a wonderful day. You too. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at conflicthealing.com where you can see our upcoming guests, listen to archived interviews, and find out more about peacemaking in your life. Thank you. It's about trust. expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.